your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. It's Chelsea, and I am stoked for today's episode. I'm back with another solo. You all know this summer I did a ton of guest interviews, and I'm ready to just do solo interviews right now. Solo interviews, no, solo podcasts. I'm not interviewing myself. So today we're going to be talking about ways to build confidence and self-esteem, and I'm specifically going to walk you through five easy ways because you know me, I'm all about easy and baby steps. Now, I thought this was something that was just kind of common sense, like let's make it easy, let's try to not make it so complex and hard on ourselves to do the things we want to do. And then I thought about it further. I'm like, well, that's not true. We always feel like we have to work hard. That's especially in American society that we need to like push ourselves and work so hard and struggle and blood, sweat and tears and, you know, do all these things to feel the way we want to feel. And so I feel like with confidence and self-esteem, we often put them on this pedestal that like, we'll be confident when we lose 20 pounds. We'll be confident when we make $100,000. We'll be more confident when we get married and find a partner and get a big ring and have a big wedding. And then we'll be even more confident when we get a house and, you know, a dog in a backyard and we have our kids in private school, whatever. We put a lot of these, these feelings into circumstances and situations. And so what I want to talk about today is how can we build confidence and self-esteem just starting with your own presence without putting it onto an event or circumstance or big life goal? Because I hate to break it to you and probably you probably you already know this, but like sometimes hitting those big goals does not bring you the feeling that you want. And I just heard this on a podcast. It's called Unfuck Your Brain. And she talked about this and there's actually some science behind it, which is quite interesting. So I would highly recommend listening to it. But if you're hating your whole life and process and the steps you're taking to get to a certain goal, well, when you get that goal, it's not going to feel good because you've trained yourself to hate it the whole time. And I feel like it's the same thing with building confidence and self-esteem. If you're hating yourself and talking shit about yourself and struggling and like so miserable with your own thoughts in your life, it's going to be really hard to ever develop confidence and self-esteem out of the blue or when you think it will just come because you made a certain amount of income or married somebody or, you know, got a promotion, whatever the case is. So that's what I want to talk about today is like really easy ways that we can just build confidence and self-esteem and knowing that this is all practice and a lot of it is built around failure tolerance. So failure tolerance, I've talked about this on a podcast before is basically just increasing your rate of failing. They talk about this in business a lot. When you innovate, you should be failing twice as fast as you normally would so that you can move on quicker. Now, from a business standpoint, that makes sense, right? If you're taking five years to produce a product because you want it to be absolutely perfect and you never put it out there in the market to see what people are saying, and then you put it out and you're like, oh, wait, people wanted this thing fixed and this thing tweaked, and it just took us five years to do that, well, now it's going to take us so much longer to get it out there versus if we just put it out there year one or two, then maybe we would have gotten early feedback and been able to adjust. So that's talking about it from a business lens. From failure tolerance from our own personal perspective 
is the ability to fail and look silly and get embarrassed and kind of look like an idiot sometimes. I'm actually reading this book right now called The Calm Workbook, and they're talking about it. The first chapter is called A Beautiful Idiot. And we all think that we always look at other people that are confident and we're like, wow, must be nice to be them. They just must never get embarrassed, never feel guilty, never feel shame. Nothing bothers them. They're aloof. You know, like they're just so unbothered. And everybody has something that they are embarrassed about. Every single person, every human being has something that makes them look like an idiot, right? Like anything, like just just because you're a, I don't know, high fashion model doesn't mean that you don't trip over on the street or that you, I don't know, get drunk and send a silly text or I don't know, embarrass yourself when you're cooking and accidentally put too much salt in the food and everybody can't eat your meal. Like everybody goes through these things. Those were weird examples, but just had to give an example. So why don't we start out with the actual definition of what confidence is? I took this directly from the dictionary and it is a feeling that is showing certainty about something or a feeling of self-assurance arising from an appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. So notice confidence is obviously a lot different than arrogance. Arrogance and bragging and being uh, boasty is totally different than being confident. I really love the words certainty and self-assurance. So let's talk about some ways that we can build that certainty and self-assurance of our own abilities and qualities. So I think the very first thing to do is put yourself in situations where you actually are good at something. So you just build the muscle of knowing like, you know what, I am at least confident in this one thing. And that will help you build momentum or something that you're just excellent at. Now, I know you're probably like, well, wait, didn't you just tell us about failure tolerance and, you know, doubling our failure rate and trying to fail almost just so we can learn? Yes. But I think if you start with something that you feel like you're going to fail at off the bat, we just have a tendency to be self-deprecating and self-doubtful and insecure. At least I'm, I have. I'm speaking from experience. So this is my experience. If I was trying to build confidence and self-esteem, I don't think I would start with something that I'm so insecure about. I would probably start putting myself in situations where I know I'm at least good at it or pretty okay at it and then try to build from there. So here's a specific example, dance classes. You've seen my Instagram lately. I've been going to a ton of dance classes in London. I even extended my time in London because I'm just having so much fun here and I want to take like all the dance classes. And that is very intentional. Not only is it fun and it's a great workout, but I know I'm not a bad dancer. I can admit that. Like, I'm not afraid to say I don't think I suck at dancing. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you don't. It doesn't matter to me because I think I'm pretty okay at it. Now, I know when I go to these dance classes, they're kind of hard. I'm going to intervance, intervance, not a word, (laughs) intermediate and advanced classes that are run by professional dancers. So everybody going is has been featured in music videos or they are represented by a dance agency or they have very uh, professional backgrounds. I don't. I just do this for fun and I know that I'm not going to be the best in the class. I know the teacher is not going to pull me forward to have me demonstrate the choreography. That's for sure. So in that situation, you can see how I'm doing a little bit of both where I'm putting myself in a situation where I'm pretty confident, like I'm not a horrible dancer, but I'm not the best. 
So that's where the failure tolerance comes in of like, I know I have room to improve. I know I'll probably mess up a whole count of eight, or maybe I won't even get half the dance, but I'm going to learn because I'm at least confident in my skills to improve. And I hope this makes sense. I would also say cooking classes are a great example. I used to think I was a horrible cook and I'm like, well, I suck at cooking. So, you know, I'm just going to continue my life being a lazy, shitty cook, making stuff in the microwave and, you know, finding one good meal on Pinterest that I can cook for special occasions. But that's about it. And over the last two months, I've been taking random cooking classes whenever I travel. And it's just it's really opened my eyes to like, well, wait, you're not a horrible cook it's actually just following recipes. So it's not that hard. It's just preparing and making sure things are available and ready ahead of time. So when I go to these cooking classes, I don't know anything about cooking. You know, when they ask me like, what does this knife do? And you know, what do you think these spices do? And how much do you think we should put in? They're very interactive. I'm like, I don't know, because I'm not a professional cook, but I know I can follow directions. And I know if you give me instructions, I can make the meal happen. So I'm putting myself in situations where I'm not a total failure, but I can improve. And I think that's a really great way to build confidence and self-esteem. The other thing is when you go to classes or events or experiences where you're not the best person in the room, I think it does build self-esteem because you're around other people that you can learn from. So when I go to these dance classes, half the reason I love going to is the energy I signed up for some dance classes online and trying to learn in my bedroom, right by my bed, like, you know, next to my pajamas and my laptop. I was like, this is not the same vibe. I'm not getting the same experience that I would if I would be in a dance studio around people that are way better than me. And so when I go to these classes and people are excellent at what they're doing, it kind of boosts my self-esteem where I'm like, wow, I'm in a class full of professional dancers. And that's how you have to start speaking to yourself. And we're going to talk about language in a second. But you need to start talking to yourself as if you're your own PR agent. Instead of saying, wow, I'm the worst in the class. I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't believe I messed up that count of eight. I have no business being here. I flip that to, I can't believe I'm in a class where the teacher was in a JLo music video and some of the people in the class were just performing at the award ceremonies and I'm learning with them. That boosts my self-esteem. Like I'm in a room of people where I'm not the best person in the room, but I'm inspired by them. So put yourself in situations like that and see how your confidence and self-esteem start to build. The second one I would suggest is observing people that you think are confident and what is it about them that makes them confident. So I would absolutely practice this in the real world, even with strangers, like just people watching and just picking up someone's energy, being like, wow, they just, they seem really confident. Waiters, baristas, bartenders, like usually people that are in hospitality, in my opinion, are pretty confident because they have to do so much customer service and like people facing, um, yeah, people, they're so people facing that they have to be like at least, you know, able to communicate with strangers. And so I actually love watching how bartenders and hostesses and waiters interact with people And then I just start to pick up cues of like, well, what is it about them that makes them confident? Oh, they always open up with like funny conversation or they seem pretty observant and thoughtful. When I go to parties and I see confident people, I feel like they always introduce themselves first and they're the ones that reach out their hand and provide their name. They make eye contact. I think that's something that really exudes confidence. 
I think people that give really good hugs have a lot of confidence because they trust like I yeah I'm gonna hug this person it might be like a little vulnerable or I don't know some people don't like hugs but like I'm confident enough to give you a big hug this is such a random story but I remember a girl in like college it was my friend's sister and she just gave me a hug and it was like the warmest hug ever. She squeezed me as if I was her best friend and she just gave me this little like rub and pat on the back and just smiled at me when she pulled back. And she's like, oh my God, it's so good to see you. And that was probably 10 years ago and I still remember that hug. And I was just like, wow, she was so confident in the way she gave me that hug. She didn't know if I like hugs or if I like to be you know, embrace like that when I barely know her, but she was so confident in her ability to basically make me feel welcome and warm that I've never forgotten her hug. So that's something where I was like, well, how can I emulate that? So now when I give people hugs, I try not to do that little like, you know, I don't even know, like ice cold dead arm hug where you're like half hugging them and you like barely touch your shoulder to their chest and you're like, hi, oh my God, like how's it, how's it going? I'm like, no, I'm going to give a warm hug because to me, I feel like that's what someone that's confident would do. I also really feel like confident people do what they say they will, and they're not wishy-washy. They have a very high level of integrity, which brings me to point number three of watching your language. So language is so powerful and we know this as humans, but I think we just forget. I think a lot of this has to do with social media and the memification of everything where, you know, everything is a meme or a gif or a, a joke. And so, and we follow all these meme accounts, right? Like at one point, my whole timeline was meme accounts. And so we just think it's like funny to talk shit about ourselves all day or other people. And yeah, to a point it is, right? Like, let's admit that it's, a, it's funny. But when you every single day start speaking about yourself like i'm such an idiot such a loser oh my god so fat so ugly whatever you are literally telling yourself those things and your mind doesn't know the difference between when you're joking or not i always found that fascinating that your subconscious does not know what is a joke and what's not it just hears words and feelings and these specific language this language that you're using and it soaks it in like a sponge so I find it fascinating that I feel like confident people, they they have a bit of self-deprecation about them to be funny, but they're like, I don't actually mean that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't actually think I'm an idiot. So try to become hyper aware of the language that you use and just notice if you're using it in texts, in email exchanges, in voice notes, and just try to catch yourself. And I want to reiterate, this is really a practice and you have to become hyper aware and and just take notice. Be like, today I'm gonna scan all my texts, all my emails, all my voice notes, and see if I ever say, oh my God, I'm so stupid, or sorry, such an idiot. Oh my God, I messed up, I can't believe it. Even saying I messed up, I can't believe it, like that is in a way kind of talking shit about yourself. So see how you can turn that language around. For example, if you mess something up, instead of saying, oh my God, I'm such an idiot, just say like, oops, my bad. Maybe you need to apologize and maybe you don't. A lot of times we apologize for things we don't even need to be apologizing for. Apologies happen when you really mess something up or you did something intentionally or maybe it wasn't intentional, but you really hurt someone or it was a really big deal. But apologizing for like sending the wrong file and it's just an easy fix that you can just send the right file. Oops, my bad. Here you go. Oh, not, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I sent the wrong file. It'll never happen again. 
you can just see how that energy already is different. So just start the, I started doing this with clients. This is how I started checking my language. When I would write emails to clients, I was like, have I said sorry for anything I need to actually say sorry for? Again, if I like messed up a, a big contract, yeah, that's a big deal. I need to say sorry. If I like attached the wrong report, I didn't overly apologize. I was like, oops, here you go. Done. Like, that's it. You don't need to over explain yourself. The thing with language too is not only does it come up in like writing and emails, et cetera, but think about when you speak to your friends. Are you always gossiping? Are you always venting? Are you always negative and talking shit about other people or yourself? Because that is a surefire way to immediately cut off your confidence. If you are finding yourself in social situations where you're always talking shit about people or yourself, please find new friend groups. Join online memberships, join communities, go do fitness classes and meet new people. And if you if that's not available to you, then try to change the subject in those situations. Bow out, don't engage, or just straight up tell people like, oh, I'm not really comfortable talking about this. I have so many examples about this, but like there was a period in my life where everybody was getting married. And I feel like women are so triggered by when people get married because it goes to my point earlier about these big milestones in life that we think we're going to be like super happy and joyful and fulfilled once we get married. So when women started getting married in my friend group, I could see a lot of triggers coming up where people were like, oh my God, did you see her wedding dress? Like I would never wear that. Or I don't know, her ring's like kind of small. Like how much do you, you know, do you think her husband's like making a lot or fiance, da, da, da. And there was a lot of gossiping going on during that period where I had so many friends getting married that I was like, this is gross. Like this is supposed to be someone's magical day. And here we are on the sidelines, like talking shit about them. I don't like that. I don't feel good in my body when I gossip. Yet there's a difference to me too between venting and gossiping, right? Like we all need places to vent. No human is perfect. We all need places to vent about our partners or our coworkers or our parents or our siblings, whatever the case is. That there's a difference between venting and being like, I'm just really frustrated with the situation because they can't see my side or I'm just starting to get so annoyed because this behavior hasn't changed. That's venting. Gossiping is being malicious and rude, right? Just talking shit about someone's wedding dress for weeks on end and screenshotting and, you know, tearing it apart. That's gossip. And that does not feel good. And I can promise you, confident people do not maliciously gossip. If I hear someone gossiping, I immediately I'm like, oh, wow, they are wildly insecure. And it's sad. Like, I actually wish they could work on their confidence and self-esteem because it's just the gossiping is an attempt to feel confident by putting other people down. So if you find yourself again in situations that you're constantly gossiping, start to clock that and be like, how can I get out of this? Change the subject or not engage. And how can I start putting myself in situations where I don't have to talk shit about people's wedding dresses or whatever the case is? Um, I really have found online memberships to be my saving grace this year because there's so many communities of like-minded people. And it's usually people that are working after a specific vision or goal. So we're all trying to lift each other up. And I find when I engage with those people and then we have, you know, Zoom meetups and I can even meet some of these people in different cities. It's like, wow, yeah, these are the people I want to surround myself with. Not people that, you know, every Thursday we're grabbing a bottle of wine and talking shit about all the girls in the neighborhood. That's not a cute look. And again, I can promise you, if you are trying to build confidence and self-esteem, that is the one way to not do it is gossiping and overly talking shit about people. 
Now, something else with language, this is a really big one that I learned from an article on LinkedIn when I was working in corporate America, is using the word just because it's a filler word and it literally is trying to justify what you're saying. So let's use examples. You know, I love examples. If I say, hey, I'm checking in on the invoice or hey, I'm just checking in on the invoice, people use just to soften it because they think asking for the invoice because there's money involved is somehow being pushy or rude. And so we use this filler word to quote unquote, soften the blow. I used to do this all the time in corporate America. Hi, I'm just following up. I'm just checking in when I can expect payment. I'm just circling back. And then I was like, it's the same thing as saying, hi, I'm following up. Hi, I'm checking in on the invoice. Hi, I am circling back. There's, I'm sure right now when you heard that, you weren't like, whoa, that's really rude. Now that she said it without the word just, it's like, no, it actually just, to me, it exudes more confidence of like, I don't need a filler word and I don't need to justify why I'm following up on the invoice that you owe. So I practice this again a lot with emails with clients because here's the thing, as I'm talking about all these, these aren't things that I want you to just like think about in your head and hope that one day they'll happen. These are things you need to put into practice right away. You don't just one day just like wake up and you're like, wow, I'm magically confident and I think I'm going to start setting boundaries and using different language and shaking people in the hand and looking them in the eye. You have to start small. So if you're going to a party this weekend, try to introduce yourself first and reach your hand out or give someone the big hug. If you are writing an email, start scanning your emails and being like, am I over apologizing? Am I saying the word just a lot? Am I being way too just like almost kind of like desperate energy with the way I'm communicating with people? Like start to almost filter it and be like, okay, just observe it by the way, and then start to shift it. So again, practicing with clients is an excellent way to do this. And if you are catching yourself saying just a lot or apologizing, take a moment and just I just suggest <laughs> and breathe and be like, why am I scared of sending this email without that word? What is the reaction I'm scared of? Do I really think me saying, hey, I'm just following up on the invoice or hey, I'm following up on the invoice, that small switch is going to like totally piss off the client and now they're going to cancel their contract and not work with me? And No, that would be so silly. Can you imagine? Let's walk through that. Can you imagine? You send, hey, I'm following up on the invoice. And a client is like, wow, unbelievable. I know I'm overdue on the invoice, but you know, you're you missed a word in your email that I'm used to seeing, and it's just, and I think we need to cancel this contract and I'm not paying and I'm taking you to court. That's ridiculous. <laughs> right? So I want you to start asking yourself, why am I scared of sending this email without some filler words? Just clock it and start to delete it. I promise you this has to be a practice. I used to read my emails over and over again, and I would make myself delete the word just, and then I would just send it. I'm like, oh, I just got to send it. Okay, practiced. Let's move on to the next email. Okay, did I say the word just? Oops. Okay, delete, send, and just rinse and repeat. Okay, so we talked a lot about watching your language, which to me is huge. This is also a big thing when people give you compliments. If someone says, wow, I love your hair, or you're so beautiful, or wow, that was like really smart and I can't believe that you know that. That's so intelligent. Do not discredit yourself 
immediately off the bat, if you're like, oh, this old thing, or oh, my hair, ew, I haven't washed it in five days, I can't believe you think that, or like, oh my god, I'm so smart, like, I don't know, I just, I don't know, my dad taught me once, I'm not that smart. It's like, why are you discrediting yourself? And you might be thinking, ah, oh, that's not a big deal, like, it's just once in a while. Yes, it is a big deal, because the quality of your life is made up by how you speak to yourself every day, how you think of yourself every day, how you spend your time, and who you spend it with. That is what makes up the quality of your life. So if every day you're talking shit about yourself all day long, or you are constantly talking shit about other people, or you're discrediting people's compliments, well, you can see how eventually you would probably have low self-esteem or it would be really hard to have high self-esteem or build confidence because you're not even hyping yourself up. You kind of have to gas yourself up in your head if you want to build confidence and self-esteem. So this was a practice too. When people say, oh my gosh, I love your top, instead of saying like, oh, this old thing discounted, found it, you know, in the sale rack at the back of this. No, no, no. Thank you. Thanks. I love it too. Someone says, oh, wow, like that was a really smart thing you just did in business. Or how did you do that? That was so incredible. Thanks. This is what I did. Not, oh my God, I just got lucky. I have no idea how it happened. So practice this week, right after you listen to this podcast, receiving compliments and not discrediting them. Huge, huge way to shift your self-esteem and confidence. My next tip is start doing what you want to do, especially in social situations. If you are tired as hell, you've had a long week at work and people are inviting you out to happy hour and they're going to go out all night say no. Say no. Okay. You have to start setting boundaries like that. If you want to go order a pepperoni pizza with pineapple on it and people are making fun of you, like pineapple is disgusting on pizza. I can't believe you would order that. Well, you love pepperoni pizza with pineapple and that's your standard and you like what you like. You need to go ahead and order that at the restaurant and not switch to cheese pizza just because everyone's ordering it. If you want to put a pink streak in your hair even if people are like, why the hell is she having a pink streak in her hair? Like she's 30 years old. She's not going to music festival. Well, guess what? I want a pink streak in my hair. I think it's fun and I think I'll look cute. Great. Done. Confidence is built by constantly saying, in my opinion, doing what you're going to do. I actually often think integrity and confidence go hand in hand. I lose confidence and self-esteem in myself when I'm constantly breaking promises to myself and constantly shifting what I'm doing to fit other people. This example has come up a lot in recent episodes about dyeing my hair kind of darker and brunette. I've been wanting to do this forever, but there was a lockdown. And then when I did go get my hair done, I was like, oh, I'm not ready. And then I would ask people and I would literally do polls on Instagram being like, should I dye my hair brown? And I would ask my family and send pictures. And everybody, I'm telling you, everybody is encouraging me not to. They're like, no, you look better with blonde hair. I don't think you should. I think you're, I don't know. I just love you as a blonde. When I voted on Instagram polls, everybody said no. And so my mind is like, oh, well, then maybe I shouldn't because I, if you think about, if you zoom out of this thought, the concept is I'm not going to look as attractive or pretty or whatever the case is. That means people will not like me or look at me differently. And if people don't like me or look at me differently, I'm going to lose my connections with people. And if I lose connections, I'm going to lose friendships. Like it's so silly when you start thinking about it that way, but it really is true. Why would I be scared of dyeing my hair brown just because people don't, don't think I might be as attractive as if when I have my hair blonde. 
So that means every day in my head, I want to be dyeing my hair brunette, but for other people, I'm not. That is, that's like suffocating my self-esteem because every day I think about it, but I'm not doing it. So you can, you see how when you are not doing what you want to do, you are literally slowing down your self-esteem and your growth. So just so you know, I have booked a hair appointment at the end of the month and I've shown her pictures and I have been saving a lot of brunettes on Instagram. And I'm like, I want to go darker. Like, guess what? It's hair. It'll grow back. If I hate it, I'll go back the next week and ask her to lighten it up or whenever I need to. Maybe I'll love it and be like, wow, I should have been brunette six months ago when I actually wanted to do it. If you are constantly breaking promises to yourself like that, again, you're just immediately cutting off your confidence and self-esteem. Which brings me to my last point of setting boundaries. So it kind of ties into doing what you want to do, but I think boundary setting often gets confused with being very harsh or strict or rude or cold or isolating or mean or like you're an ice queen or you're unavailable. That I think I'm such a visual person that when I think of boundaries, I'm literally thinking of like a football field and there's the sidelines and boundaries. And so when I think of people, when I used to think, oh my gosh, people that have these hard boundaries are so cold. I would think of them as like they're being inside the sidelines and I'm on the outside and they're like in their own world and I can't touch them and they're unavailable. And that that's when I put people on pedestals like, wow, they have such a different life than me and they're so lucky and da da da. No, not true. <laughs> Boundaries are basically energetic agreements. That's what I would call them. Going back to the language idea, think of these as energetic agreements versus harsh boundaries. So I always suggest to everybody to start small because starting small is scientifically proven to be more easeful on your nervous system. Is easeful a word? I feel like I'm making up a lot of words today. It's easier, there we go, on your nervous system. So if you're like, yeah, I'm setting a boundary where I am drinking eight cups of water a day. I am not checking my phone in the morning. I'm going to bed by 10. I'm saying no to three social events. I'm working out for an hour every single day. I'm meditating for an hour. I'm journaling. I'm doing breath work. I'm drinking lemon water. I'm doing a face mask. Okay, no. Your, your nervous system sees all of that as like a tidal wave of new things to do, and it's going to crash. That's often why people in January, when they set New Year's goals, completely give up after January, February, because they went way too big. And they just thought, again, going back to the whole beginning of this episode, this big thing will make me happier instead of starting small and enjoying it along the way. Here's some examples. Maybe your boundary is that you're not going to check Instagram first thing in the morning when you wake up. I used to do this all the time. I think we all do this. Like every single person has checked Instagram in the morning. And even if I did a cleanse and I followed, you know, amazing people and I had so many inspirational quotes and whatever coming in my feed, there was still this sense of anxiety that would completely ignite inside me of like, oh, I got to get up. I got to start posting. I got to create content. Look at what this girl's doing. Look at that person. Oh my God. No. So what I started doing was, well, let me start small. I don't think it's realistic for me to just stop using my phone in the morning. My a lot of people suggested, why don't you just put your phone in another room? I'm like, well, I use it for my alarm, my body clock. I don't trust myself to wake up at a certain time. And so everybody's like, we'll just get an alarm clock. Yeah, I could do that. That actually would be really smart. But I'm a little bit stubborn. And I was like, mm, I want to try it by myself without getting an alarm clock. So instead of being like, well, I'm not going to check my Instagram in the morning, I knew I would check my phone. I started reading my horoscope instead. 
because at least it's inspirational. It feels very custom to me. It's something that kind of just gives me like a little boost of motivation for the day. And so I started doing that. Then eventually after doing that for probably months, I was just like, yeah, I'm kind of over reading it every day. I kind of want to read it when I'm getting my breakfast. So now when I get my phone, I usually turn my alarm off and try to get out of bed. But this was a practice. Another example would be maybe you don't work past a certain time. Let's say it's at six o'clock. Well, start doing things that would make you stop working at six o'clock. For me, like physically closing my laptop and putting it away was my signal to stop working. So at a certain time, I would see the clock strike, whatever the time was for me, close the laptop, walk away and make plans to do something. So you have something to look forward to because we all will make excuses to work. That is the number one thing that no one will ever push back on is working. It doesn't matter if you've worked 20 hours or 100 hours, no one will question you. So we will always make excuses to work. So you need to practice making plans that are outside of work that have nothing to do with work to get you off the laptop. For me, maybe it was like cooking a meal that I knew would take a longer time where I'm like, yeah, I don't actually have the time to be working till seven or eight because this meal is going to take an hour. I don't want to be eating dinner at nine and 10. So I need to stop working at six so I can start preparing this meal. So it's ready at seven or eight. Or maybe it's making a plan, like meeting your friend out at a comedy show or a movie or going for dinner. So you're like, well, obviously, I'm not going to bring my laptop to a fucking movie. (laughs) I'm not going to bring it to a comedy show. I'm going to close it. So make plans that will keep you from doing the thing that you're trying to stop doing. Also, practice saying no at least once a week to a social event, to a date, to someone asking you to do a project that you can't take on just once, literally once. I don't need you to try this every day, every single time you interact with someone, but doing it once is what starts building the habit. I talked about this before, I think on a podcast, but when I used to drink a lot, that was like kind of my identity at work was, yeah, like I'm the girl that will always go out for happy hour. We're always going to have a good time. If you want to grab a drink after work, hit me up. And I remember visiting my headquarters and there was a huge happy hour going on and I was so burnt out. I was so tired. I was working on this huge contract that was keeping me up late. They were being so difficult. I was so stressed out. And I was like, I don't really feel like the best thing for me to do is get super drunk at this happy hour. And I was terrified to say no. It sounds so silly now because now I'd be like, "Mm, no, thanks. But I was freaking out. I think I was even asking people for advice of like, I don't know how to say I don't want to go to this happy hour with my headquarters crew. And that was, again, let's zoom out. The reason I was scared was, well, they're going to think different of me. They're going to think I'm not fun. If I'm not fun, who am I? They're going to think I'm boring. I'm going to lose this friend group at work because I'm not going to the social event. If I don't have a friend group, work's not going to be fun you kind of start to play out these scenarios and you can see why we end up being scared of saying no or yes to certain things. And for me, that was it. People are going to think different of me and it's going to change the dynamic at work. And I'm like the fun party girl at work that that was my identity. So I didn't want that to be lost. So that time that everybody invited me out, I was like, I had to start small instead of saying no, I actually just ended up going to the happy hour, but having one drink And I literally looked at my watch and I was like, I'm only staying till seven. And that's what I did. I said, hey, guys, I'm going to go home. Had so much fun. And no one cared. 
No one was like, wow, can't believe you. We're going to have to like, you know, remove you from the group Slack or the group text. Um, I don't know. People were like, okay, great. Like, see you tomorrow at work. And I needed to prove to myself that saying no was not going to like destroy my social dynamics. And that's how I practiced was in social events. So I would encourage you to just once this week, try it out and let me know how it goes. So I think too, what you need to consider when you're building confidence and self-esteem, remember, let's go back to, to the definition, is that it's a feeling of showing certainty about something or a feeling of self-assurance arising from an appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. So there's something that we're all good at. We all have certain abilities. We all have certain qualities. Maybe you need to write those down. I had to do this recently where I was just going through so much self-doubt from after my breakup and then traveling around and feeling really ungrounded and like not knowing exactly what I wanted my rebrand to look like and trying to figure out where I live next and just questioning like, am I being too nomadic? And I, I really was just going in this spiral of self-doubt. And I had to make a list of things that I am good at and that I know I have qualities around and that I do have great abilities to either figure out or improve on. And it does boost your self-esteem. I know it sounds so little. Sometimes we want these big, grandiose gestures or like an ayahuasca ceremony or a cacao ceremony or a reiki, like some huge thing to change us when sometimes all you need to do is get out a piece of paper and a pen and write down all the things that you know you're good at or that you know you are confident in or that you have high high self-esteem around. And that will shift your energy. I did this with a client the other day. We did it for five minutes. I said, please just write yourself a letter of everything that you're proud, proud of yourself for this year. And she literally was like, oh my God, I, I literally feel like a buzz in my body. I've had a headache all week. I feel like the headache's removed. I feel a sense of relief. I'm like, that was from five minutes of just writing on a piece of paper. So don't think that to build confidence or self-esteem, it's going to take years and years or a certain level of income or a certain partner or certain work environments to get to that point. It's going to take practice like everything in life, because if it didn't take practice, then it would be easy and you would already be doing it. Everything takes practice and practice is what ends up making you a master. Someone pointed this out to me on a podcast once and it blew my mind of like, if you really wanted, or if you got everything you wanted tomorrow, like you had the income, the marriage, the partner, the whatever, the body, would you even know how you got there? You're like, well, wait, I don't know how I got this body. I don't even know how I got this mansion. I don't understand like anything that just happened. Like, how did I get here? You wouldn't know how to then sustain it, which is why we have so much evidence of things around this, why crash diets don't work, why when people win the lottery, they blow it. Why people in January all of a sudden cancel their gym membership in February? Because again, they don't, they didn't practice. You have to practice. There's no shortcut. And I know you're waiting to be like, well, what's the shortcut? What's the secret? You know, is there a, a big thing coming out where I'm going to learn like the one way to do it? And I'm like, no, I'm going to keep it real and transparent with you. You need to practice these things every day and you will eventually build them as a habit and it will just become part of you. You will become more confident and you will develop a higher self-esteem. And I, if you're listening and you're like, wow, she sounds confident and this, she sounds like she has a high self-esteem. I mean, I just told you I was going through so much, but I also want to share some insight of like, I was not always like this. I used to say yes to everything. I had zero boundaries. 
I would work late hours. I would barely take my lunch break because I like didn't think I deserved it. I would literally send my boss an email of what I was doing at lunch. <laughs> like that's how scared I was to take a lunch break. I would send him a Google invite. And in the Google invite, I would be like going to grab a quick bite. Then I need to run an errand and go to the bank. And then I'm going to go to my school to pick up something because I was in grad school. And eventually one day he's like, you have an hour to do whatever you want. I do not give a shit what you do during that hour. You can watch TV. You can walk around the block. You can not like, I don't give a shit. You have an hour for your lunch break. But that is how scared I was to do things that were actually provided to me. Like a lunch break is provided to me. And I was just like, oh my God, I don't have any boundaries. Like I need to overwork. I used to treat my body like shit, eating horrible food. I mean, horrible sleep schedule. You've heard my last episode, drinking, experimenting with drugs, going out all night on weeknights. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I ended up having a lot of different health issues and eventually mental health issues where I was like, I'm miserable. I had a lot of money. I lived in an amazing apartment. I had, I could buy whatever I wanted, but I was absolutely miserable because I didn't, I didn't have any confidence or self-esteem. I also, my health issues were crazy because I just thought they were random. And now I know about energy and how all this stuff affects our body. But I mean, I had scabies, I had shingles. Every single year at a certain time, my tonsils would swell up to the point where one time they closed up, like they were literally touching each other and I thought I wasn't going to be able to breathe. I dated horrible guys because I just said yes to anybody that walked by me. I, I'm still working on forgiving myself for those years where I let myself get into situations that were just not great. And I eventually went to therapy, which cannot recommend therapy enough. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my referral link to BetterHelp in the show notes because therapy is like the one thing that I will never stop talking about. Therapy is what changed my life four years ago. Therapy right now is what's getting me through this time of like grief and transition because the therapist is trained in holding space and being able to help you move forward and heal the past and and forgive yourself. So yeah, just a sidebar, but yeah, I I had to practice a lot. I had to go to a lot of therapy. I'm still in therapy. I have therapy later today and I can't wait. I love it because I know we're going to move through something. And I think in social situations is a great place to start practicing all this because that's where I started. I was like, okay, now I have therapy. I have these tools. What can I do now? Practice. Again, at a restaurant, ordering what I want, immediately introducing myself to a new friend, reading my emails and seeing if I use the word just. It's just all practice. Love how I just use just. So yeah, I feel like that's it. I love talking about this stuff because I feel like there's this elusive messaging in the influencer and coaching industry where people are like, you know, come learn from me the secrets and you join these Zoom calls and you're like, okay, this is going to be it. This is the one Zoom call that is going to absolutely transform my life. And then they're just like walking you through a worksheet that is journaling or affirmations or meditation. And you're like, okay, well, whoa, wait, what's the secret? And it's like, no, this is it. It's like the daily practices that make up the quality of your life. So if you want the secret, I'm telling you right now, this is it. But I do have something coming out and I promise you that this is just to help you work on building confidence, shedding old layers and practicing stuff in real time. The reason I say practicing in real time is I know what it's like to try and speak up for yourself and then just feeling so scared of what the reaction is going to be. 
I actually recently found out I have an anxious attachment style. And so I'm often scared to speak up in romantic situations, which is so interesting because I don't feel like that in work, but I'm definitely like that in my partnerships. And so what I'm working on with a coach is like on our calls, I'm literally practicing speaking up for my needs or my desires or my boundaries. So this is what I want to do in what I have coming up is like break out into small groups and let's practice setting boundaries. Let's practice ordering exactly what we want a restaurant. Let's practice actually introducing ourselves with confidence. And if you're a coach or an entrepreneur, I know when you're starting out, it can be so weird to introduce yourself to people because you're like, do they even know what a coach is? You know, I'm a mystic spiritual advisor or I'm a manifestation guru or I'm whatever the case is. And people are like, what? I just did, I just dealt with that in Germany. Imagine me talking about manifestation and podcasting and mindset and energy work and spirituality to very German people that are like, what are you talking about? I was like losing a little bit of confidence because I'm like, oh my God, I just feel so insecure when I introduce myself. And that's what I want to work on in this program is let's break out and practice introducing ourselves with such confidence that we don't even question ourselves. We have that self-assurance and we have that feeling of certainty within our own abilities. I am so excited for it. It's going to come out in mid-October. I wasn't going to say the name, but I'm like, fuck it. We're going to go. I'm just going to tell you the name. It's called Unfollow the Rules, and it's going to be a three-day workshop in mid-October. So we're going to talk about all these things way more in detail. You're going to practice some of the things I talked about. That whole exercise I told you I did with my client, we're doing that. We're practicing speaking up. We're practicing setting boundaries and actually writing out what those are. And we're going to practice forgiving our old selves and moving forward because that's a big piece of the puzzle is it's okay. You didn't know, you didn't have all the tools, you didn't have the resources, and now you do. So let's use them. So yes, stay tuned. Dropping it in the show notes. You can sign up for the wait list. It's happening mid-October. Can't wait. I haven't done like a three-day workshop, I think since earlier this year. Yeah. So I am loving doing the group trainings now and I just can't wait for everybody to join. It's going to be so fun. So if you love this episode and you found value and you're going to try one of these, DM me first and let me know which one you're going to try. It's at Chelsea Rife or at non-expert opinion pod. Share this podcast on your Instagram stories. Maybe send the link to a friend that may need to hear it. It is so appreciated. And the best thing you could do is leave a rating, a review and subscribe basically consider that currency for podcasters. It helps so much with the algorithm. It boosts our confidence, to be quite honest, as as we're talking about self-esteem and confidence. That is like the number one reason I keep doing this podcast. And ultimately, this is a form of exchange. Producing a, a podcast every week and putting it out there for the world to hear your pretty much most vulnerable and innermost thoughts is kind of scary sometimes. And so when we get ratings and reviews, that is what keeps us going. They mean more than you know. They're not some like little quick vanity metric. It really is a piece of currency that I consider for podcasters. So I would absolutely appreciate it. And for the month of October, anybody who leaves a review is going to win a one-on-one coaching call with me. I am so excited about this. It's going to be 45 minutes and I'm going to help you with either your mindset, your energy, your podcast, whatever it is you want to focus on with me, you will be entered into a giveaway if you leave that review. So just take a screenshot and send it to info at chelseareife.com or DM it to me. And at the end of the month in October, I will pull someone to win that coaching call. Oh, can't wait. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.